0: Merry Christmas! I think Matt asked the the question just a moment ago when we started. How many people have taken the tree down? Anybody? Is it like a tradition to take it down? So no. Okay, so I'm I'm the weird one. Just kidding. We haven't taken ours down either. Yeah, Christmas is still going strong for us. Uh, we have a couple more things to celebrate, but we we appreciate that. But you know, I in my life, I, I've I've learned something that I wish. I wish weren't true. It seems like for every high there tends to be a, a low, <laughs> right? And so we have this, this tremendous experience of Christmas, right? And it really is like, it, it's incredible when we think about just God coming in the flesh, Right, And we celebrate that with friends and families, and there's openings of gifts, and there's, there's food together, and there's laughter and so much joy, and it's like everything else just kind of stops for a moment, and it's just good, right? But then at, at some point, something kind of changes, right? The, the high of Christmas, the excitement, the energy is, is present, and then all of your relatives kind of leave, <laughs> Right? When um when I was a teacher in high school, you know, one of the, the absolute worst days to teach was the first day after Christmas vacation. And you go, that's the hardest day? Yeah, I think so, right? Because the first day of the school year, everybody's excited. It's a new year. Yeah, like let's go. Let's let's have some fun. And the last day, you know, it, yeah, we're ready for it to be the last day too as a teacher. So we're pretty excited. And being a high school teacher, I'd just be like, go take your exam and I'll sit there at this desk and be bored for a little bit, right? But the day after Christmas vacation, everybody's just kind of like, all right. I think, what, we get one holiday until like, Easter. It's just, there's a grind that's ready to happen, right? We just had all that excitement and that energy, and now we have to go back to school. I know. Thank you. Someone understands it. Absolutely, right? I had to go back into the, into work, you know, and teach all those kids who didn't want to learn algebra. So it was, it was tough. Today, I want to, I want to consider Mary and Joseph a little bit, right, and, and what they were thinking. When, when this whole thing is happening. Like you, you have these prophecies, like these angels are coming, right? And saying, hey, you're gonna have a child? Like this is pretty insane. This is awesome, right? This is really cool. And then it kind of happens the way that that God said it was happening. So they're like, wow, this is this is awesome. And then like the angels come, right? And the shepherds are there and they're like bowing down to this baby that they just had. And Mary is pondering all of these things in her heart. Like this is, this is really good Christmas right? The the first one was pretty good, and then and then eight days later, they go to the temple, and you have Simeon, and you have Anna, and you're just like, these prophecies about the king, and who he's going to be, and you're just like, your mind is just blown, right? And then maybe when you thought it was all over, six to eight, 18 months later, the magi come, and, and so you have these guys who walked for a really long time, like, bowing down to this baby, right? Like, this is incredible, this is absolutely incredible. Like, like they're giving this baby like gold. <laughs> Anybody come and give your baby gold when he was born? That'd be a pretty good gift though, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, like. This is incredible. The Magi just, just worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. But you know what happened? The Magi left. The Magi went back home. And you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Now that all the celebration is over, now that everybody has kind of left and we have paper everywhere. My sweeper can't pick up, so I got to pick it up by hand. For some of us this year, it'd be, all right, back to the grind, right? I know a lot of people work tomorrow, right? Going back to work. And, and by the way, um, COVID, right, still, is that fair? Yeah. So that's still going on. Um, rearing children, maybe you still got children to raise, right? You're Going to have to feed them. I think one of the most disappointing parts points of, of yesterday for me was when we kind of had a little break and my wife started making the grocery list. I'm like, it's Christmas. And it's like, kids got to eat tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Guess we got to do that. And then the, I know that there's, there's lots of people on, on our hearts that we love who are sick, right? We know some are, are on their deathbed. Bills need paid, right? Still got a lot of plans to make. Like I said, endless meal prep. And you just at one point or another, you're just like, where did Christmas go? <laughs> Right, where did all that energy and excitement and enthusiasm go? And you're like, Mark, you just killed it. Sorry, I didn't mean to kill Christmas this year. And don't get me wrong, like like Easter's pretty good. I know that's coming, right? Four months. I was like, Ooh, let's go, let's well, Easter. But what about in between? <laughs> Like, what about the lull in between? And, and so I, I get to this point where I, I ask myself this question. How can we have or maintain the joy of Christmas? Because it's a pretty special event. I mean, is God with us? God, the eternal God, putting on flesh is kind of a big deal. And so I want that joy to continue. I want it to be maintained even when the grind is coming at me. How can I do that? Well, we're going to look at a, a passage today in scripture that that we often neglected because it is kind of a downer after Christmas, right? It's like, oh, the Magi left. And then what happened? As as Strader alluded to, they had to leave. They had to flee pretty quickly. And so we're going to look at the end of chapter 2 in Matthew today. And we're going to look at what came next. What happened after all of the glory of the Christmas story ended? And now Joseph and Mary are left to raising this Christ child. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to join with me in, in reading two, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13-23. through 23. And it's going to be pretty obvious, but you're going to see some of the, the downers. <laughs> the rough parts. But what, what's, I think, a little bit harder to see and what we need to see... Is how can they maintain joy in the midst of what's going on around them? How can they maintain joy in the midst of what's going on around them? And so we get to verse 13 of chapter 2, and listen to what it says. It says, When they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And if you've been reading from front to start of the book of Matthew, you'd be like, Yes, another angel. Something great is going to happen again because every time an angel comes, like a new promise is going to be fulfilled. This is going to be intense. I can't wait for what it is. And this is what the angel says. The angel says, get up, he said. Take the child, his mother, and escape to Egypt. Hmm. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he, Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up! So, was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So, growing up, I think my Christmas spirit kind of ended about an hour after I ate all of my Reese's Pieces at like six in the morning. Okay? Theirs at least was like two years. But boy, did that end quickly, didn't it? It doesn't take much time to see the difficulty in the situation. We, we see them having to flee. This isn't good, right? I've heard horror stories of people trying to travel by plane with a two-year-old. You ever tried to walk 90 miles with a two-year-old? I can't imagine. <laughs> Brutal. Imagine Mary just kind of receiving that news. Say what? The angel told you to? No. This is the Lord. Why am I fleeing? The angel said to flee. Then you have grieving. This was just hard. I, I don't. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's, it's estimated that ten to thirty boys were killed in Herod's attempt to keep his position. Ten to thirty boys. And if news traveled as fast as it does now, Joseph and Mary knew about it. They heard what had happened. It's tough. There's grieving. There's a lot of grieving. God spared my son, but not 10 to 30 others. This is hard. Merry Christmas, right? And then it doesn't say it directly, but if we look to the Gospels and try to understand Nazareth a little bit. In John 1 46, one of the disciples says this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? This isn't the city, the town, if you can even call it that. <laughs> it's none of the, the little village, right? This isn't where you want to go. If you're like, oh man, if I could have a dream place to live, it would be not there. That's what it was. And so there's this humility, this humbleness to living in this town. Right? So you had this baby Jesus who's claimed Lord of all, is now living in this little town where nothing good ever comes from it. They were humbled. And so you have fleeing, you have grieving, you have this humility, and then we know what comes next. It doesn't take long for our Savior King to become the suffering servant. You had your high. The low hit real hard with Mary and Joseph. What happened to the rejoicing just a few moments earlier where the Magi were worshiping? What happened to that? And how can we maintain our joy well, let me pray and ask God to help us see that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Christmas narrative. I thank you, Lord, for the rejoicing that happened, for the incredible high, the angels, the glory of it all. We thank you for that and we praise you for that. We celebrate that. Help us to see the joy in the hardship that followed. Help us to see the joy in the grind. Help us to have joy in the midst of lamenting. You are capable of doing that in us, and we ask that you would through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm left with this question again. How can we have or maintain the joy of Christmas? How can we do this? Right? How can we look at this scripture passage and find reasons to have joy? I think the first one starts here. It starts with Joseph. You know, we don't know a lot about Joseph. We, we honestly don't. Um, he's not mentioned a lot in the Gospels after this. So a lot of people suggest, and it's easy to believe, that sometime in Jesus' childhood, Joseph passed away. But what we do see in this event is we see the faithfulness of Joseph. God called him to go, and Joseph went. And he led his wife, Mary, and his newborn son, Jesus, with him. God asked, he went. And so a reason we can have joy and maintain the joy of Christmas this year is to rejoice in the faithfulness of the saints. Rejoice in the faithfulness of the saints. Paul also rejoiced in the faithfulness of the saints. In Philippians 4.1, he tells the people of Philippi, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. They are my joy and crown. He says, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. See, the people in Philippi were experiencing the same sort of persecution that Paul was. And Paul saying, I rejoice in you presently standing firm, and I'm asking that you continue to be faithful to Christ amidst what's going on. We rejoice in the faithfulness of the saints. And this isn't a time of physical blessing that they are experiencing in Philippi. And it's certainly not physical blessing that Joseph was receiving there. No, it was 100% faithfulness of the saints. Being devoted to Christ. Continuing to follow him. You know, as, as part of what I, I do here is I get to oversee Samaritan matches. <laughs> Every single time a Samaritan, com- Samaritan match comes, it's a time of rejoicing. It just is. It's exciting. It, there's so much energy. And you know what? They always come with some sort of bad event, right? Like someone was in a car accident and I want to help them. You wouldn't think that'd be a time of rejoicing, but, but it is because someone saw a need and decided to, be, well, decided to follow the compulsion that God gave them. They were faithful. And so regardless of what happens, if this person that they're helping comes to Christ or not, I am rejoicing in the fact that someone is being faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ in that moment. We can praise God for that. And in our, our church body, as I, as I thought about this a little bit more, We've had some some rough times, <laughs> losing people this year, and I, I'm sure there's there's many many bodies who have the same thing during this time of the year. But there's something that that, that stuck out to me when growing up, um, and it, that that really helped me in, in this year. And and I was thinking back to. Whew, way back when I grew up in a Methodist church and I remember my pastor at one point saying, and again, this was like really young, so it's, it's always one of those questions like why do I remember this, right? But I remember him saying that one of the greatest evangelistic things that we have as a Methodist church is that our people die well. I'm like, that's the best we got, <laughs> right? We, we don't have these big evangelistic crusades or anything else. like that. No, 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 we die well. I go, what are you talking about? And at that point, it was just kind of scary, right? But now that I've gotten older and I've gone through and experienced this sort of stuff, like I am super encouraged when people remain faithful in the most difficult of circumstances. When death is on the doorstep, the people who say, praise God, not my will but yours. That's incredible. I rejoice in that. Not the passing away, not in missing them, not in the grief or even the lamenting the loss, but in the faithfulness to the end. Praise God. There have been some incredible examples of people dying well in our body of Christ this year who have loved Jesus and loved their families to the very end. What an incredible legacy to give to the kids to the community, to us, because it encourages me too, doesn't it? Does it encourage you when you see someone living faithfully in really difficult circumstances? Absolutely. And so we rejoice in the faithfulness of the saints. Number two, the second reason why I think we can rejoice in the midst of hardship is we can rejoice in the orchestration of God. We can rejoice in the orchestration of God. Now, I chose orchestration for a reason here. Um, This is what I mean by it. Orchestration being God's sovereign plan intertwining with the will of men. God's sovereign plan intertwining with the will of men. You see, God is working in the midst of Herod's ruthlessness. Herod was doing some terrible things. That is not the heart of God. To see two-year-old boys die, that's not God's heart. And yet, in it, we see three different Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. Herod clearly has a will there, all right? It doesn't say anything about why Herod did it. It was simply his act that caused these families this devastation. No one forced him. And yet, in the midst of that, God's sovereign plan comes to fruition. God's sovereign plan comes to fruition. Just think about some of the prophecies. I'm just going to name two of the three here. In Hosea 11.1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And then Hosea goes on in his prophecy to say how Israel didn't live up to what it was called to do. But what do we see in Jesus? (laughs) Jesus fulfilled the life. He remained faithful even in the Exodus. And so Jesus becomes the greater Israel, if you can call it that. An incredible fulfillment in this. It's incredible. Or how about Matthew 2.18? This one's, this one's hard, actually. This is from the prophet Jeremiah, which we read. It says, A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for the children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. God revealed that this would happen. He never really says why this would happen. And even in this passage, we don't get a why. We just get a How? This is how God fulfilled this prophetic statement. I kind of want to know why. I don't know if you're, you're like me. I, I, I like that. It's easier to obey when there's a why. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But no, this is, this is just a how. When I think about this year, there are lots of things that have been done. In fact, if, if you could create a list, I think I, think I could create this year a, a top 10, I'm not going to name 10, but things I can't rejoice in, <laughs> right? I think number one thing this year that I cannot rejoice in is COVID. Anybody with me? I'm not going to rejoice in it. There's some other things I'm not going to rejoice in. I'm not going to rejoice in the fear that's gripped a lot of Americans. I can't rejoice in that. I can't rejoice in Christian nationalism. I can't rejoice in the increasing disunity in the body of Christ. We're two people before COVID. We're so united and now divided. It breaks our hearts. Breaks our hearts. I can't rejoice in that. And you know what? I I have absolutely no concrete answer as to why any of that stuff happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why God did what he did when he did it. I, I have no idea. I can, I can speculate like I'd be, like to be able to say, well, it's probably because God is doing this. I, I don't. I don't have that. I mean, I generally know why there's suffering, right? We have sinful people, right? We have a creation that's crying out to God. Like, I generally understand that we have a will and we make choices and we hurt each other. Like, I get all of that. But as to why God allowed this during this time, I, I got nothing. But what do I do know? I I know that God is sovereignly at work. I know that God is sovereignly at work. And his purposes will come to pass regardless of the circumstances. His purposes will come to pass regardless of who tries to stop them. No matter who Herod is in our lives. God will make his will happen. Nothing can thwart it, and I can rejoice in that. So if you're laying in your bed with COVID, we can still rejoice that God is in control, and he's doing something, even though I have absolutely no idea what it is. I know God is at work, and I know the hope that he gives us in eternity is still going to happen. It's going to happen. And so I rejoice in the midst of that. Third thing to rejoice in that we see in this passage is that we rejoice in God's ongoing revelation. We rejoice in God's ongoing revelation. If you count it up, how many times did God talk to Joseph in this? This is pretty good, right? Two times by an angel. Right? Another time through a dream. And don't forget, we actually have like the incarnate word of God there the whole time. So we got quite a bit going on in this of God revealing himself because God, we see, is going to tell you what you need to know and when you need to know it as you're seeking him. When Joseph had Jesus right there, right? When Joseph and Mary had Jesus, they didn't know that two years later they were going to have to flee. They had no idea and God didn't tell them. That wasn't part of the grand announcement. But when it was time to go, God delivered them. He said, okay, it's time to go. And then when it was safe to come back, God said, okay, it's time to go back. But don't go here. Go here. We can trust that God's going to reveal what needs to be revealed when we need to hear it. And then he's given us his word. Oh, this is tremendous. I've talked to a lot of people who have been through some tough times this year. And almost every single one of them has said, I'm so grateful for God's word. I'm so grateful for God's word. Because in the midst of trying circumstances, I can go to scripture and hear my Savior talking to me. He shows up. He reveals things to me. He's present with me. When I go to his word and listen to his voice, we have scripture God continues to reveal himself, even in the midst of some of these passages where you're like, come on. God's word is active. It is active. And then on um, October 24th, Pastor Matt uh, preached a uh, a message on listening for God's voice. It was part of our Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, or the Good Shepherd series. He gave five little principles to how we can kind of learn to hear the compulsion of the Spirit inside of our hearts. And if you're interested in hearing that, go back to that. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon. But it's incredible to know that the Holy Spirit is in us who believe and he continues to compel us, to move us. And so we can hear his voice and continue to act when he desires to move us. And then we can't forget about God's ongoing revelation and our union with him. He is united in us. This is profound. When you start to think about that, you know what? We actually have it a little better than Mary. You go, what? How can we have it better than Mary? Mary, like, was holding Jesus. Like, that's pretty intense. How close was she to Jesus? Guys, we have Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is profound. This is incredible. In the midst of whatever goes on, no matter how low the depths are, no matter how high the depths are, we have the spirit, in of, the spirit of God in us. And it's not going to go away. As I was writing this, I remembered that, you know what? Jesus soon went to the temple, right, and got lost. And Mary was without Jesus for three days. You're never going to be without Jesus anymore. It's a promise. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He will not leave you. We can rejoice in that, can we not? When times are great and when times aren't. And if you listen to John 16, 7, this is why I think Jesus says, it is good for you that I'm going away. And we think, how could Jesus say it's good that you're going away? Because I'm going to give you my spirit. And then it fulfills the words that he says in the Great Commission, that, lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Always is a long time. It's so good. Jesus is going to be with you. God with us. Became God in us. And so as we continue throughout the year, whether you're fleeing, because sometimes God calls us to flee, if you're grieving, because there's probably going to be some of that, as you go through life and you're being humbled by life's circumstances, there's still plenty of reason to rejoice. Because we see the faithfulness of the saints. We see God's orchestration in everything. And then we see his revealed word in our hearts. When I'm thinking of my own life and how it applies to this situation, you know, many of you know at this point that um, Neshwan and I are going off the plant in Arabic church. And, And we heard the song at the 8.30 service this morning being played, Mary, Did You Know? (laughs) I think, probably not. I don't know if she knew. And so I asked the question, Mark, do you know? Do you know what life is going to look like next year? And I think my answer is actually not even, I have no idea. I have none. If you're like, Mark, what are you going to do? I have no, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know where I'm going to live, right? We don't have all the finances worked out. We're working on that. We're pretty good. You know, I, I, When are you going to plant the church? When is the church going to happen? (laughs) When we have enough people, I guess. When are you going to have enough people? I don't know. But what do I know? Well, I know we have a team, and every single time I see them being faithful, I just rejoice in it. When I see conversations happening that wouldn't have taken place a year ago, when I see people pointing others to Jesus, when I see people saying, you know what, I'm committed to this cause. Man, they're being faithful to the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. That is incredible. I rejoice in that. Even through the ups and the downs of the things I don't know. I've seen God putting relationships together that just didn't, like, how? I think Matt said this before, but Nashwan, 10 years ago, you were in Iraq, right? How does he make it all the way over here and me from Northwest Ohio so that we can go plant a church? God does this stuff. He's incredible. I can rejoice in what God is doing. When I see some struggles with relational tension and stuff like that when trying to plant the church, I can't get too down about it because I know that God is doing something in and through it. So I don't rejoice in the tension, but I rejoice in what God's doing. And then God continues to reveal himself when I need it. It's so good. Every time he does, it's just incredible. But God, you did that, and then you told me about it, which is just like, whoa, the God of the universe talking to me. It's pretty sweet. And God desires to do that in you too as we go through this Christmas. So I, I don't know where you are. Maybe you still have some Christmas to go. The blues haven't hit. Praise God. All right, enjoy that. I pray for you this year at Christmas, the joy of Christmas would just continue all the way through Easter, even in the midst of all the stuff that goes on. So that we can continue to rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us. Rejoice in Jesus, our salvation. He is so good, isn't he? Let's rejoice in him, no matter what, as we go through the rest of this year. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that there are so many reasons to rejoice. Even in some pretty lousy situations. My heart aches even now over the 10 to 30 boys who were killed. And yet I can still rejoice in you, that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and that you are orchestrating amongst the will of men to accomplish your purposes, and they will never, ever fail. Because you are so good, and you are so faithful, and you are so true. Be with our body as we continue to experience loss. Help us all to remain faithful to your compulsion. That no matter what life brings us, we can say, praise be to God. Praise be to God. To him be all glory. I love him and he loves me. Thank you for the opportunity to rejoice. It's an incredible experience, Lord. We couldn't do it without you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.